Everybody, uh, welcome back to the Keep It Simple podcast. If you're tuned in for this, you have joined us uh, for episode 21 uh, of the Keep It Simple podcast. And today we're in for a treat. I say that every week, but I mean it. Uh, my friend Charles Dorico has joined us. Uh, he lives and works uh, in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, uh, and his ministry is called Word on the Street. Uh, Charles is doing some frontline, kind of cutting-edge type work um, in a vein that I know many of you who listen faithfully, uh, you have served in some of these lanes. Uh, I know many of you are passionate about um, the work, the type of work that Charles is doing. And uh, so it's just a natural fit to have my friend on to talk about um, what he's up to, to share his story, and to make you all aware um, of his ministry and, and ways that you can connect with him and come alongside the work that he's doing. So super stoked to have you on, Charles. Welcome to the podcast. Amen. Man. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, really excited about this. Yeah. So you and I um, met, what, I guess uh, six or eight months ago, um, mm -hmm. through school. And, um, so we are in this, um, uh, fresh expressions and future they church. It. They changed it. It's future church. It, it okay. was like fresh, church renewal. Yeah. Church <laughs> renewal. Yeah. So, so yeah. you and I are in this, this group of about 14 to 16 people, um, mm -hmm. church, uh, fresh expressions and, um, future church it's called now but church renewal formerly the artist formerly known as church <laughs> renewal and uh what i love about our group man is uh it's we have the ability to meet and and to begin to build authentic relationships mm -hmm. with other people who come alive in the same type of ministry that we do um and I'm so thankful for that gift. Um, Amen. And to get to know you, uh, to get to do life beside you, to hear your story, to learn more about what you're up to so so that we can pray over you. So let's just dive into that kind of, I can tell you, you and I have talked about a little bit, um, you know, in our first um few times together in person, but um, a lot of the people who subscribe and listen to our podcast are former students of mine, college mm -hmm. and career age students, and we spent a lot of time downtown Atlanta working through a mission agency called M25, uh, doing street ministry, going into um, forgotten areas of Atlanta and serving mm -hmm our brothers and sisters on the margins. And I think that's one reason why when I began to hear your story and what you're up to, there was this draw. Um, mm -hmm. I just felt connected to you and drawn to you to build a relationship. And uh, so if you would just kind of uh, start by sharing your story and you can go back like we talked about off camera you can mm -hmm. go back to whatever starting place you want and just kind of lead us into, into your story um, of faith. Yeah, well, um, 
I guess I'm just going to go all the way back to the beginning, man. Uh, just like uh, awesome. as, as we learned in the good book, it starts in the beginning. So <laughs> that's, that's where I'll start, at least yes. in the beginning for me. Yes. And uh, so I was born up in the mountains of uh, Southwest Virginia. And uh, mm -hmm. I have that last name, Darico, which is an Italian name. And there's actually quite a few folks with Italian names up that way, because uh, when my great grandfather came over from uh, from the old country in Italy, he uh, he had that story. And I remember him sharing this of, you know, seeing the Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty and all that when he was young. Wow. And he came over from Italy and his father got off of the his father mother and his sister, they got off of the ship, had nowhere to work, had nowhere to go when they got here. And, and somebody came up to him and said, we'll give you a job. Your kids will go to school. We'll give you a house, but you got to get on the train right now. And uh, they picked up wow. the, those, those Doricos, including my great grandfather, and sent them up into the mountains of Southwest Virginia to, to work the coal mines. And wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's how I'm a Dorico from up in the mountains. And there's actually enough, uh, people with Italian names up that way and the little communities there where, uh, there were the mines were that, that there's sections called little Italy now. <laughs> so truly. yeah, 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 truly. Wow. There's, uh, you know, I have some of my cousins, some other Doricos who are still up there. And, uh, but then, uh, and then other, yeah, like I said, Italian names and families have settled up there and the, the mines, the coal mine shut down a long, long time ago, but we're still okay. left. So yeah. yeah, but, uh, yeah. So, so I was born up there in the mountains, uh, in the Blacksburg Christiansburg area of uh, Southwest Virginia, just directly beside Vir Virginia Tech, and that'll be a uh, my my allegiance to I'm a, I'm a Hokie through and through, and I'll get into that later. But that plays a, a particularly important part to my my faith story and my call okay. story, even. And we'll get to that in a second, I guess, if you will. But uh, yeah, go Hokies! And I'm, I'm die hard. We here in North Carolina, I, I took one on the the chin last night because uh, Duke beat us in basketball, which is quite normal. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of Duke folk around, especially in the, uh, we United Methodist circles and stuff. So I had a lot riding on that last night and we didn't pull it out. So, but, uh, so did, yeah. so did UNC and, uh, Virginia tech play last night, I guess. No, we played Duke and got beat. Uh, oh, Duke, Duke, Duke. Yeah, I missed that yeah, part. So yeah, Duke yeah. and Virginia Tech. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, again, we'll probably okay. get beat by Carolina as well. <laughs> you know how that is. But that, that's nothing to be uh, too ashamed of during basketball season, I guess. But I got to hear it by sure. yeah, my, yeah, my yeah. folks here in North Carolina where I'm at now. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, so, anyhow, I was bored up there in the mountains just near a college town. I loved it. and uh, But – one of the things about that is me and my family, when I was young, we weren't all that religious. And uh, I would say okay. I was born, you know, like everybody else in, in the area. And we were somewhat culturally Christian, but mm -hmm. not necessarily practicing. And mm -hmm. then um, we uh, we moved when I was young for several years down to South Carolina and uh, again, we weren't all that practicing in our faith, and I never really gave it a whole lot of thought, except for every once in a while, uh, my dad, I, I guess on a whim, we would go to this little church called StarTex Church of God, and I remember just seeing some things there that, that, that kind of freaked me out at first, and then they were kind of amazing as well, you know, seeing a lot of folks speaking in tongues and some laying on of hands and healings yeah. and, and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I, I've since reflected upon my time there. And as 
um, I remember times where I just couldn't figure out what was going on. I was kind of afraid of what I was seeing and experiencing a lot of, you know, stuff. I just was, wasn't normal, uh, mm-hmm. in, in my everyday life. And, uh, but I now recognize looking back that, uh, that was, uh, what I experienced in those, those times that we did go to that church. Some was, uh, what we now refer to in the United Methodist circles is God's prevenient grace. Uh, I feel like so much of what I observed there, uh, you know, while I, we left that church, not very long after we started going there every once in a while, but, but there's a part of me that feels like that church never left me. That was my first experiences of Christianity and worship and what that means there at StarTex Church of God. And another, were you then? Uh, probably in the, I think we were there, in my early elementary school years, okay. it would have been so young. about about eight, nine, wow. ten, that sort of thing. Wow. I, okay. I do remember responding to some altar calls, and I don't, I'm not sure if I even understood what that meant uh, sure. when, I, when I would come forward and, and stuff. But uh, it, it, it now reflecting upon that, and we weren't there a lot, and uh, but. Mm-hmm. I do think it left a big impression on me. And I think that still is present in my ministry today. And uh, like I said, and I, I do recognize uh, some of God's provenient grace uh, being poured out upon me there and kind of God, yeah. uh, God just kind of pulling on me and, and, and working on me even when I wasn't really willing or able to, to respond to that. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and another thing about those several years of my early elementary school years is, we, it, as you know, we've had a lot of time to reflect on this recently because a part of our doctoral work last semester was this, uh, this, this paper in which we're just writing and about our, our faith story. And I mean, we had to go mm-hmm. in depth and I don't know, are you like me that things emerge from that process of writing this paper that I hadn't really thought about in years. And mm-hmm. uh, I do now recognize how they, they have impacted me and throughout my life from my very early childhood and elementary school years, and they continue to impact mm-hmm. me and, and in my ministry too. I, I, were, you, were you like that? Yeah. So the thing that I appreciated most about that assignment is it, mm-hmm it gave me an opportunity to interview my parents, mm-hmm. to interview former uh, student pastors, to interview former pastors, to mm-hmm. go and have conversations with adult folks who were adults in those right. formative years. And for me to sit down with them, even virtually, and say, okay, this is what I remember, mm-hmm. you know, as an adult, how much of this is correct? What was off base? What was mm-hmm. the reality of what was truly happening? It mm-hmm. was, that was a gift to me mm-hmm. um, to have those conversations and to do some of those interviews mm-hmm. so that I could write um, honestly yeah, and not just from my, not just from what I remembered as a child or as a preteen or an adolescent. Yeah. Um, that was a gift and to rekindle some of those memories and conversations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And yes, to your point, um, the grace that was at work in my life before I had made a profession of faith or um, was in right standing with God Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. to be able to look back. Of course, hindsight's always 20, 20. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And to see the way that God was at work in my life before I knew who God was. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And yeah. uh, I had yeah. a very similar experience. And uh, yeah. And uh, so in, in, you know, even very, very early on, you know, like and then in the elementary school and that time at that church. And uh, another thing that that it, that I hadn't thought about a lot is and, until that assignment about my childhood was in those handful of years where we were living down there in South Carolina, mm -hmm. the, the area I was living in and the, the, uh, the school I was in was a predominantly African-American school. And, okay. um, I, and <clears throat> so having spent most of my childhood and my teen years, we would go back to Virginia in an area that wasn't very diverse to have had that time down there to, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, to You're have had right. that time down there in South Carolina and to um, live as, as a minority amongst our, uh, um, my African-American friends, childhood friends, um, I, I view that as a real blessing. And that's mm -hmm. uh, also come to, to be an important part of my ministry to this day. We'll get to that yes. uh, here in a moment. So uh, yes. yeah, just that, uh, that level of, uh, you know, those are just my friends. It's like one of those things when you're a kid, man, all that other stuff outside, it, it, it just goes away. It's your, it's your buddies, it's your pals, it's your friends. And you yeah. just, um, have a, have an ability at that age to just, um, just, uh, to see past so many of the things the world likes to trip us up on. And, and I, I relish that time or, or view that as a real gift. That, mm -hmm. that my time living down there that that continues to to bless me and and who I am but also certainly my ministry but um yeah, yeah. so because people, uh, people are people right absolutely absolutely people are people ma'am and that um yes yeah, so I'm with you on that and that you talk about the program that we're enrolled in now mm -hmm. you know I've talked with um our friend Sedale we need to have mm -hmm. Sedale on, actually. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Um, Sedale and others. It is, in my opinion, it's extremely healthy for me mm -hmm. to sit in the big room corporately mm -hmm. and to experience um, not only different styles of worship, but what it's like to be a minority. Yes. For a yes. week. Yeah. <laughs> a little sliver, only a week. Right. Um, but it's so healthy to have that. It's, it's a gift. It's an experience that yeah. is a gift. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I appreciate that. But people are people. At the end of mm -hmm. the day, um, people are people. So, so your time in South Carolina specifically is interesting because Travis, our friend Travis, who was on – yeah, um, some weeks ago, he has ties to South Carolina. Um, yeah. that's that's his home place, you know, and and uh, so that's interesting. I don't guess I'd ever connected that dot that you had spent some of your uh formative years down in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, as a matter of fact, getting to know Travis and that area that he grew up in and that I'd spent a little time growing up in, I mean, was only. Mm -hmm. 10 or 15 miles away or something. So we were very what? close to, yeah, we were nearby each other. And, uh, I didn't and, know uh, that, man. Yeah. That's really cool. And, uh, we may have, 
cross paths without even knowing it a long, long time ago. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I wish I'd have known Travis back then, and I'm pretty sure we'd have been buddies also, but I didn't ever. That dude's so cool, man. Yes, <laughs> he, he is. I love he him. He is. And Me he, too. He, I've learned to cool. love him too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Really great guy. So now we're both doing ministry in North Carolina, and he's got some cool things going on up in the, the Asheville area up there. So yes. it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. So you were in South Carolina for a little while. Then did you all move back to West Virginia or what was next? What was the next stop in your story? We moved back to Virginia, not West Virginia, Southwest Virginia, not okay, Southwest Virginia. No, 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 no. A okay. lot of people make a big deal about it. No offense to our West Virginia folk. So you were in like, Southwest Virginia, Virginia. Okay. Yeah, There's got to be a pause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's got to be a pause. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. right there near, uh, you know, about 45 minutes from the the line there up in the mountains yeah. of uh, okay. southwest Virginia. But that that's where I was at. And we moved back up there for like my eighth grade and high school years. Okay. I tell you, man, I, I just loved it up there. I had a, a group of family that was up there, and uh, I just met a, a tremendous group of friends. I'm still really great friends with so many of those folks. Uh, I, I went to, to middle school and high school with there and, uh, it was a real blessing and, um, you know, nothing was ever perfect. We didn't have a lot and, uh, it, and, and all that, but, uh, for somehow some way I, I, I was just always able to, you know, and maybe it was some of those experiences I had in South Carolina and, and I'm just thankful that, that people were able to, to not really, I don't know, label me. And, uh, you know, I, I went out and I got a job. I was still playing sports and doing that sort of thing and active, but I just got a job. So, and, uh, my parents were able to provide the basics and stuff and I always had Mm -hmm. a a place to stay. So, you know, I I was able to, through my job, I was able to go out and get some of the, the cool shoes and (laughs) you know what I mean? I don't think anybody or a lot of folks really knew how poor we really were. I was working at Captain D's. Can you imagine okay. that? I was working at Captain D's, smelled like fish every night, and came in. My mom wouldn't let me wear my shoes into the house and all that deal. And it, you know, and it was like, ugh. And, uh, but we, um, I was able to, I, I just loved my time in school, but the, in high school. But the, the thing I regret is just never making any sort of a relationship with Jesus of, a priority. Okay. Um, I, I pretty so, much never. So that didn't transition then when you moved back the connection and kind of mm. that beginning in South Carolina, that didn't relay when you went back to Virginia. It did not. And, okay. um, you know, I, I had fun and I can tell you, I had a lot of fun, but just not. Sure. And I just didn't, I, I was, I just felt like I, everything else was, I, I was just so busy with everything else. And, uh, and I never really took time to sit and reflect on what it is uh, I believe. You know, at that age, you're mm-hmm. thinking you're going to live forever, and you don't have any. You know, you're yeah. just thinking about girlfriends and the the some cool shoes or the mu- latest, you know, music or whatever, and uh, just so many other things going on. And mm-hmm. uh, regrettably, and I, I'm so uh, not envious. I'm so excited for and proud of some kids I see today who are capable of uh thinking about the more meaningful aspects of life and stuff but i oh, was there's never, a move dude mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was just never able to do that 
And uh, so yeah. I, I'm proud of so many of these these young folks today who uh, who 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 are really. Yeah, and that'll get into a lot of what we're doing through Word on the Street here in a little bit. I'll get to, but um, I think the young people nowadays, um, they they really care about stuff and uh, and and the, oh, yeah. you know what what it means to be a human being and a loving human being and a caring human being and compassionate and uh, and I think that's a great opportunity moving forward in the church. But but I just wasn't there mm-hmm. when I was young and uh, sure. Um, so I, I, I enlisted in the Navy before I'd even graduated. I didn't go off, but I, you know, I did, uh, took the oath. My parents signed off on it and, uh, then they shipped me off to San Diego. But <laughs> I remember, uh, before I got out to San Diego, I was in basic training in uh, Great Lakes, Illinois. We call it great mistakes. And that's what I was feeling at the time <laughs> I was up there. You know, I think that's how everybody feels when you first get into basic. <laughs> and uh oh, I great remember, mistakes illinois <laughs> it was yeah i felt that way for a long while it sure did <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah so so get this so i remember we're going through these processing lines you know like they're giving us our shots and our vaccines and they're just like boom 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 shaving your heads boom 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 doing all this and then we get through this this other line and uh, they're they're making up our dog tags, and you know, there's somebody asking you like, "Well, what do we put on here?" And they're like, "You know, Charles, Dorico, social, and like, what's your, what's your?" I'll never forget this. They they were they were like, "What religion do we put on there for you?" And I remember like, you know, everybody was else was going through seemed to be like, "Well, I'm Presbyterian or I'm Baptist or you know," and and. Um, you know, even some folks who were, were, were Hindu, I remember were in there or some other, uh, uh, but I, I just got, I was like, I don't know. And mm-hmm. I go, and, and they put that on there because in case you're killed or, sure. uh, you know, and especially, you know, they'll, they'll know what kind of service or something to do for you yes. in, in that situation yeah. or how to, to, to handle your remains and such. And, I just really didn't know. I remember I stood there and it hit me. I was like, I don't, I, I said, I guess Christian. And, and again, that was probably a cultural thing at the time for me, not a practicing sure. thing. I mean, most of the people, yeah. you know, up in where I was from were, were Christian. And I, I did remember those experiences in that little church years and years and years before, but I just said Christian. I, and I, and then the guy, whoever this guy was, was like, what, what, what do you mean by that? Baptist, you know? And I was like, I don't know. And, uh, so, and, uh, yeah. yeah, that got me to thinking a little bit, but it, it wasn't enough to really make, make Jesus or spiritual matters all that important to me. So I, I got to ask, because if I'm thinking it, I guarantee you the people listen, what did they put? What in the end, what did they write on? The they room? just put Christian and, uh, yeah, yeah, I wish I still had it. I wish I, yeah, they did. They did. I, I wish I still had it, but if it, if it, an accurate way would have been Christian question mark, question mark, question mark. Cause that's where I probably was <laughs> at the time. That's I mean, real. So, that's yeah. real talk. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, so they did that. And, uh, you know, though, even throughout that time and then that basically continued throughout my twenties and, okay. uh, throughout all that time of just, I, I wasn't really serious about much of anything, just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. my own personal situation. I didn't, I, I, I do in hindsight, um, 
I recognize God kind of was kind of nudging me along the mm-hmm. way. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like God gave me, I, I didn't put a lot of thought into these deeper, bigger things, but I, I felt like I was, you know, I, I could feel, I had a, the, the, my, a consciousness of like, you know, you know, maybe you ought not do that. Maybe you ought to be nicer oh, yeah. to this person. Maybe yeah, you ought to, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't really a bad person. I don't think I certainly did some bad things and just some sure. really stupid things in my younger years. But uh, I, I, there was some sort of moral compass, you know, mm-hmm. I, I now believe it was God leading me in my life and kind of nudging me along. The motives were never, yeah. the motives were never evil. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. some of the production or the actions maybe <laughs> yeah. should have been thought out better, but it wasn't come coming. I, I don't think an, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I feel yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think so. And, yeah. uh, so, uh, yeah, fast forward, I, I ended up, man, I was the worst student talking about not taking, considering all these serious, I was the worst high school student. Like I did not, I was so busy with everything. I was working and friends and all this stuff, but I got out of the Navy and I started seeing about that time, a lot of my peers and friends graduate in college. And I never really doubted that I would be able to go to college and at least be able to, uh, to you know, if some, you know, I felt like I could probably have done it. But I, I was like, if I don't do it now, then I won't. So mm-hmm. I started uh, in community college and and did pretty well. I actually started to enjoy school for the first time. Yeah. And yeah. uh, and and uh, and I really loved like the the history type classes that I was able to take a couple of those at the community college level and to knock out some uh, other basic math and English credits and stuff. And then uh, before I knew it, I was uh, actually able to transfer into Virginia Tech. And that was a a really awesome thing for me. Nobody in my family had ever went to college and much less like it was just something to, to live around there in Virginia Tech. Like, you know, it just to to actually legit be a student there wasn't something uh, I'd ever really thought was possible for me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so I loved that place when I got there and just die hard. I was there at a good time as the football program was taken off. And it was just was a lot that the of Michael fun. Vick years or was that before? Or? Yeah, yeah. I came in right at the end of uh, the Michael Vick years. And wow. uh, but we were, wow. oh, man, we were just die hard. And we were, you know, we were in the top 10 regularly and all this stuff. Yes. And that was fun. And to, you know, not a lot of awesome things had happened in that little small town. But, the, yeah, I mean, where I'd, I'd, I'd lived was, you know, a handful of miles from campus there. And so to to just be a part of that and see, like, like the like Blacksburg, Virginia, to actually become like a, a known household name, thankfully, you know, due to this football program. And that was really cool. Yes. And a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that was a great ride. And uh, yeah, just had a blast. We we went and saw some bowl games and that sort of thing, and um, that, that was neat. That was neat. Before and, uh, you continue on, I just want to interject, man. So it surprises me, you know. You made mention that um, weren't a great high school student, never really applied yourself, and that you didn't, you you never, you know, the the first in your family to go to school and college and that, and kind of further your education. Knowing you now. And I guess it's a testament to God, man, but, um, like 
for mm-hmm. instance, last week we were at an intensive, right? So we're stuck in lectures all day, every day. Um, y'all, this dude pretty much wrote a 25-page paper <laughs> while sitting through intensive classes. And um, I just want to sp- encourage you and speak that piece of life into you. Um, like, as a, as a, a person observing you now... Um, that motivates me, you know, to sit back. I'm in these lectures taking notes and I look over and Charles is straight up writing papers. And, um, so, um, again, just a testament, I guess, to God's faithfulness and goodness and grace, the Mm -hmm. aptitude, uh, your intelligence what you bring to the table, what you contribute to conversations, what you model for people like me to be able to observe. We're in the same semester. We're in the same part of this process. But like day two or three, I'm like, I probably need to get my crap together. Charles is killing the game. I need to I need to start to. So thank you for that. And I just before you continue with your story, you don't sell yourself short, dude. You um. You're top of the heap, oh, um, man. and 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 I'm not just saying that. I don't. You don't know me very well, but a lot of people who listen to this do. I don't just toss stuff like that out there. Um, I man, just want to take you. that moment to encourage you. Um, it surprises me to hear that part of your story. I'd not ever heard that. Um, so you keep you keep doing you. You're killing the game. Man, thank you. That's really awesome, and uh, I, I really appreciate that. I uh, I love. Uh, I mean, we're all. This is an awesome opportunity. This cohort of, and yeah, I feel like everybody is on each other's side. There's certainly no yeah. competition that I'm seeing. As a matter of fact, and and what's cool no. about this cohort is we're in our first year. But we're also in the cohort with person. You and I are in our first year, but we're in a cohort with persons who uh, our friend Mark. Th- th- these guys are graduating, and they're mm-hmm. in their third year, and just and uh, everyone has been so willing to share pointers and to help each other mm-hmm. along. And uh, so, yeah, while I was writing papers and a lot of those things, I was probably missing a lot of the material. So I'm gonna be calling you up and being like, "Hey, I don't." <laughs> I was just trying to do my best to 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 time in. Call Travis. Don't call me. Call I call Travis. So you yep. should probably call Travis too. There you go. But there you go. what I will say about that, and I don't want to end up on a tangent, but I can't let this mm-hmm. pass without saying it. You know, you said uh, we're all kind of in the same boat, and there's no competition. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody in that, all sixteen of us are practitioners. Mm-hmm. We're pastors. Mm-hmm. And and to your point, there is no competition. Right. And I think for me, one of the most refreshing things about what we're doing together, mm-hmm. and it gives me hope in, in pastors, is mm-hmm. there is no measurement. At no point so far in this process have I seen or felt or experienced any kind of jockeying for position which unfortunately is extremely common in mm-hmm. pastoral circles. And I don't want to get on a tangent, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying that our time together with our friends uh, in this focus group 
mm-hmm. has restored my hope in many ways mm-hmm. in the authentic community that can be had mm-hmm. among pastors. Um, Amen. To where people, to where people can be real, they can champion one another and encourage one another and undergird mm-hmm. one another, and not feel like they have to measure, um, or jockey. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, and you know, which, I I love that, and uh, I don't know. I got a. I'll just share a theory that you brought that yeah, up, yeah, and yeah. I guess as you're yeah. mentioning that, and this is just a theory. I th- I think. Those of us who are in this particular cohort, the fresh expressions of future uh, church cohort, yeah. um, I think we're we're the folks, you know, if we're into this type of, of thing, uh, we're kind of realizing the errors of the church's past and uh, maybe the ways that that sort of mentality amongst the clergy hasn't and isn't fruitful for the church or, or especially not the kingdom. And I see and recognize this is such an opportunity to be a part of, you know, we're the, the tip of the spear to be a part of like the new thing God's doing. And the harvest is, is a plenty right now. And uh, it's just my opinion. I think, you know, we're, we're, we tend to be those of us in this fresh expressions world tend to be folks who are, or who are thinking a little forward and maybe that's helping us to not be as uh, competitive with one another or to maybe we're, we're you know, through and, and it's through a lot of uh, the folks who are pouring into us, including our mentors and stuff who I mean, we just ain't got we, we God's doing something and I feel like it's important. So any of that other mm-hmm. BS, you know, just mm-hmm. well, yeah. And and we're going to need each other. And, and, you know, that, that old men, that old school mentality, that's one of those things that we as the church certainly got to let go of. And uh, I feel like yeah, that's we're ingrained on the same to us. team, man. Yeah. And that, that's ingrained to us, I think too, in the, in this, this fresh expressions movement and, and especially in our work yeah. and stuff. And uh, yeah, there's just so much of our, for the church to, to, to have the future that, that we would like and what I believe God would like, you know, there's a lot of things like that, that we got to let go of. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you. I, 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 just the way you were saying that, I, yeah. And I think that might have something to do with us, you know, though, you know, we, um, being blessed to be a part of this and stuff. So, yeah. Yes. So back to your story. So you're, you're in Blacksburg, mm-hmm. you're at Virginia tech, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super like, I, it's not cliffhanger on purpose, but I'm like, okay, at what point does, do you intersect with Jesus? Like, is it college? Yeah. Well, let me tell you, man, uh, Jesus, it's one of those stories. Jesus came and got me okay. and, uh, yeah. And, and it was that two by four upside the head, you know, a road okay. to Damascus, one of those type a conversion experiences. And so okay. there I was, I was 30 years old. I did graduate from Virginia tech and I was really into history. Like I told you, and I'd moved yeah. down and I started my first semester of grad school to study history at Western Carolina, which is out, you know, near the Asheville area, you know? Yes. And, uh, and I, I was wanting to be a history professor 
And so I started my first semester of grad school just after finishing my undergrad in Blacksburg. And, uh, you know, I was still a Hokie through and through. But uh, I was down in Western Carolina, you know, and that's way out in, uh, you know, past Asheville up in the mountains. But I was there. And then one Friday night, I got a call. This was April 2017 or 2007, excuse me. And uh, my mom called me and she said, hey, uh, you need to come home. Your Aunt Carol, who you you love. And I was really close with this aunt as I was close with a lot of my aunts and uncles. Uh, you need to come home. She's... Uh, She's in the hospital and she's probably not going to live. She had, oh, uh, no, man. yeah, yeah. And, uh, she had attempted suicide earlier that day and, uh, she had taken a concoction of, you know, 75, uh, pills, some really serious pills and stuff. And, uh, I, I remember I was at a little apartment down there and, it was, and my mom called me and I just, I got down on my knees and I did something I don't think I'd ever really done before at that point in my life. And there was, I got down on my knees and I, I just prayed to, to God. And, you know, again, through that, having been, I guess, culturally Christian and maybe through those experiences at little church so many years ago, I mean, uh, I felt like it was Jesus I was praying to. And, uh, and, uh, and, and remarkably, uh, it felt like, somebody was answering me back and saying, Hey, go up there and, and she's going to be okay. And, and was that so, like a gut feeling? Was it an audible voice? Was it just a hunch? Like in your, like explain a little bit, like the answering back part. I felt like it was a little bit of an audible voice. It really was. Okay. A little was bit the, of a, so here's the next question. Yeah. Was, did the voice sound like your voice or did the voice sound like another voice? Another voice. Okay. And, uh, see, a lot of I times was, when God talks to me, it's like God talks to me in my vernacular. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's my voice, but it's like my vernacular. So then it's like, okay, is that me or is that God? Yeah. Yeah. In this instance, that's why I was asking was that. So, yeah. It was so, and, and I think that's usually the case for me too is i'm yeah. like god i'm thinking out things trying to discern things and i'm trying to in this instance of uh, i felt like it was a and and you know it was one of those things where you know the voice you could tell is just loving and this is mm -hmm. you know it, it was just loving i wasn't mm -hmm. afraid like you know i told you i was i'd seen some of those things happen in that church that kind of made me a little afraid like i wasn't afraid of this yeah and i was like it just felt yeah good but i I was still skeptical. And, and so I, I hit the road, I drove up a few hours to get back to Blacksburg to the hospital there. And, uh, you know, I got to, even though that voice was telling me my aunt Carol was going to be okay. She appeared to be anything but okay up there in that hospital. Uh, I remember they were mm -hmm. doing those tests that you do on people who are unconscious to see if they have any brain activity. And they were opening the eye and shining a light in and because the pupil wouldn't dilate that suggested to them. And the, these doctors after doctor were telling us like, you know, she, she's not going to live. Like she's practically brain dead. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we remove this life support system from her. She's, she's going to die pretty quickly. And, um, mm -hmm. so I, I, I kept praying and that went on for about a week for that weekend. And, um, eventually 
the one doctor came in and she said, you know, you all as a family need to make a decision. And I don't even know, it was, it was just my aunt, my, my aunt, my cousin was there who was her son and, and my, my mother and her sisters and brothers were there. And I don't know, I, I don't know how I even had a voice to really say something, but I was like, and the doctor was basically saying, you know, you need to go ahead and have this life support system removed from her. Y'all need to make this decision. Okay. This is what she wanted. I remember that doctor specifically saying, this is what she wanted, you know, so you need to go ahead and, and make that decision to remove this. And this is another gut thing. I don't know that I heard a voice, but I was just like, just give it one more day. Can we just give it one more day? And I, and, and stuff. So there we were just, just giving it one more day till that Monday and uh, we were planning to remove the life support system. And they were telling us that, that she was going to die. And uh, sure enough, that, that Monday morning, she sat up in the bed. And, uh, you know, she, she had some cobwebs and stuff, but she was okay. It was, it was a medical miracle. It really was. And nobody mm -hmm. was ever able to, you know, really explain that to us. Nobody was ever really able to explain that to her. Um, none of her doctors, they were, they were shocked and very, very surprised. And, uh, yeah. so, so I, I saw this that, that morning and I was like, whoa, this, this is real, <laughs> you know, this is real. Mm -hmm. And so they had at the time in that little hospital in the ICU waiting room, they had a little chapel there to the side of the ICU waiting room. And I mean, this thing was about the size of a, a closet really. And they, you know, they, but they had this, it was, it was actually beautiful. It's not no longer there. Last time I was in that hospital, I was looking for that. And, and it, was, it was a beautiful little space though. And um, I got down on my knees in there and I said, Jesus, Ed, I don't know much about you, but I'm going to devote my life to serving you. I know you're real. And, uh, and I gave my life over to Jesus right there in that little, that little spot after seeing what wow. I'd seen that morning. And, uh, and in the it, hospital, in the hospital, in that little ICU waiting room there, and it's about the size of a closet. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. And I mean, so, so here's where things that, so, so th this is all going on. And uh, that morning and, um, I, you know, it was a celebratory thing. I remember people in my family that we were all you know, jubilant and just hugging each other. And we would get to go back every, you know, one of us at a time or two of us at a time. And we visit with my aunt and we were just so thankful that she was alive and still with us and stuff. And, and she was thankful to be alive and, and still with us after, uh, after that, which was a great thing. It was a, it was a powerful experience to her too. And I think a, a spiritual thing for her too, uh, for sure. But, um, so we're, you know, we're all kind of celebrating and I will never forget, um, it's one young lady about college age. Remember we were right there in a college town, uh, came in and, uh, her leg was all bandaged up and she was on crutches. We're all celebrating and doing this deal and, you know, and all that. And, uh, she was, she was, and I go, I look at her and I said, Hey, uh, what happened? You know? college girl and she looked at me like dead as she said i jumped out of a window and looked straight ahead like one of those like i don't want to talk about it deal so i didn't press mm -hmm. and i'm like you know i was like is this some sort of a drunk party thing you know it's like a you yeah. know early in the morning i don't yeah. know and then about that time that hospital 
exploded with activity. Like just people started running around. Something was happening. You started hearing sirens and ambulances coming in and all this stuff. And the, people were just literally running around, doctors, nurses, everybody. And I remember getting on the elevator and going downstairs. And I was on there with like a nurse. And I said, what's going on here? And she said, uh, there's been a shooting at Tech, at, at Virginia Tech. There was a shooting there. And uh, I was like, I what? I remember that, man. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, yeah, there was there was a shooting there. You're like, okay, you know, nothing still too abnormal. I mean, stuff like that happens even in the mountains and even on college campuses every once in a while. But uh, we just sat there in that, that ICU, and we cut on CNN like everybody else. When you know, We're watching it on CNN, and it was telling us things that we didn't know, and we were right there in the hospital as this was happening. But, of course, as you remember, that was the day that uh, 32 people were murdered on that campus. It was, at the yes. time, the, the biggest mass shooting in in American history like that. It's uh, Yes, yes. And... Uh, so here we are. I just give my life to like that, that very morning and my family, wow. we're experiencing this miracle and this greatest of things I'd ever wow. seen. And somehow we found ourselves in the midst of that worst of things. Wow. And, uh, it, it, it was, and, wow. and just to be not front row, thank God I wasn't there on campus or, you know, <laughs> but, but to, to be really close to that situation there in the hospital was, it was, unfolding was uh was really bizarre and to see somebody like your hometown how do you reconcile that i mean as a as a person who commits himself to christ and you're in that high that kind of mountaintop and your your aunt's life has been spared and then all of a sudden there's evil which is exactly what that is i mean it's Mm -hmm. clear and present evil Mm mm-hmm how do you reconcile that as a as a young man and you i mean people talk mountains and valleys people talk highs and lows yeah you're experiencing that within a 24-hour window yes yes yeah really uh, within a couple of hours a couple hour window yeah yeah and uh man i still ponder that and uh and what i I think is um, you hear a lot when things like that go down. People say, well, it was all a part of God's plan. And I heard that when that was happening. And one of the things I've come to learn is, is that wasn't God's plan. And, you you know, that was evil. That was Mm. the exact sort of thing that God doesn't plan or want for us to do to each other. And so it wasn't God who did that. And uh, God didn't want that or desire that. And um, then there's the question, you know, how could, you know, why then, well, then why was my aunt saved in such a miraculous way? And what about those 32 mm-hmm. mostly students and kids? Why weren't, and, and I don't know, you know, I don't know. And mm-hmm. um, all I do know is I was there and I just given my life over to Jesus. And I said, I'm going to serve you and um i remember 
you know, we started meeting, we hung out in that ICU waiting room for a few days and I started, you know, that it was full, like it filled up and they were having to, you know, medevac like these, these other, uh, shooting victims to other area hospitals. Cause that hospital was full. And, you know, then there, these folks, parents and families started coming in and, uh, friends started coming in and we met a lot of them in that ICU waiting room. And all I could think wow. to do was to share with those people, somebody who didn't know a lot about Jesus. I certainly didn't know much about the Bible to share with those people. <laughs> hey, no matter how bad it's looking in there, don't give up to have hope, keep praying and, and just encouraging those. And, you know, in, in some very small way, I think maybe, you know, I was kind of able to help some of those folks. I, I don't know. And, mm -hmm. but I did begin to sense that that sort of like uh, sharing the hope that God had provided you with others was, was what I was supposed to do for, for, for the rest of my life. I even felt, Wow. Like there in that couple of days right after giving my life to Jesus that I was called to some sort of ministry and, uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, and, uh, so that, that was, that was crazy. And, uh, so, so then yeah. did you go back to Western Carolina or where, did, how did the history thing shake out? So, so I went back to Western Carolina. It was April. It was the end of that. I'd, I'd started at like halfway, like at December for whatever reason, I can't even remember exactly. But it was, so I went back and I had like, you know, last week or two of classes and, uh, and then, but I, so, so here's the thing. I was again in that situation of like, Hey, I know I'm a Christian, but I don't know, or, or I wasn't unlike the military. I did know I was a Christian for sure at this point, but I didn't <laughs> know what I was. So I was like, I, I started doing what everybody does when they're pondering like these big uh, so decisions great, in life man. yeah I, I i started praying about it and i started Google, went to google <laughs> i was like so so what does it mean what to, am i <laughs> yeah what does it mean you know what's this you know what's it mean to be baptist what's it mean to be methodist and i i was already again yes. feeling this call to ministry and then I was like, well, maybe I'm Roman Catholic, but then I started reading like, man, if I'm ordained that the whole celibacy thing doesn't sound real fun. <laughs> so <I was> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, yes. you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I was down there in Western North Carolina or Western Car North Carolina or Western Carolina. And I just said, you know, I'm going to go one day, you know, like, next week and I'm just going to go and knock on the door at these churches. And it was like a little mountain town and that main street there, there was a big Methodist church and then a Methodist church or, or then a Baptist church, a Methodist church and a Presbyterian church, you know, one of those things that were all right across the street from each other. So yeah, I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I knocked on the door and I met this uh, Baptist pastor. He, he was fine. He was a nice guy and stuff and, and he was fine. And, uh, and I was like, okay, you know, maybe I, I'll show up here Sunday. But then I walked across the street and there was a United Methodist pastor just happened to be in his office. And I knock on his door and that fella, uh, Paul Christie is his name, but he sat there and talked to me for about an hour and a half and just had the wow. most, yeah, he, he just, you know, this is a, I just knocked on the door and, uh, I was telling him all this and I was like, man, believe it or not, I'm called to ministry. And he didn't blow me off. He didn't, he was like really okay 
you know, maybe you are and, and stuff. And uh, it just felt right. I, I went to that church. And anyhow, uh, Reverend Christie, he baptized me a few weeks later into the United Methodist Church. And Wow. Uh, yeah. How old were you? I was 30 and uh, 30, 30 years, years old. old, man. Yeah, baptized there. And uh, so so but about right at that time, I finished that semester and I, I went home to Virginia, right? And as I've been planning to do, so I found a, a United Methodist Church there, and uh, they were, those were some great pastors there too. They just, this guy who knew nothing, I just knocked on the door and they just welcomed me in. And I said, you know, teach me what I can, you know, about ministry and, and just, you know, what can I do to help? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a great, as, as much as I'm sure I got on the nerves, but to have some 30-year-old guy just show up and say, hey, put me to work, mm-hmm. that was pretty, you know, like if somebody but, did but that now. now mm-hmm. Yeah, not to interrupt you, but exactly. That's where you're headed. Like, so now as a pastor, mm-hmm. if a 30-something shows up at your door and this sucker is hungry, yeah. I mean, you can see it in him. You can hear it in him. Mm-hmm. He's just had a conversion experience. Mm-hmm. You can see that flame in his eyes. Mm-hmm you pour the coals to him, right? Like you give him, you give him, you give him your guts. Amen. Amen. And, uh, they, they just, you know, the first thing they did is I got to sit beside the preacher. They had, they had just put in a, uh, projector and, uh, they said, you could sit right beside the, right behind the pulpit and you couldn't see it, but I was just, you know, putting in the, the lyrics to the songs and the prayers yes. and running that during the yeah. service. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I get to sit right beside the preacher and, and stuff. And uh, I was like, that's cool. And then, you know, they started letting me be the liturgist and, and all that. And uh, that was cool. They they I, I ended up in a Sunday school class. And, of course, here's this 30-year-old saying he's called to ministry. So they just said, well, you lead the class and, you know, and here's the book we're working through. And, and I will never forget this. This is crazy. Uh, so I'm leading it in the book, the little book we were working through. It was talking about the Beatitudes and throughout that yeah. entire class for several weeks, I was leading this thing and I was calling them the Beatitudes. <laughs> Nobody in the class would told me any different. <laughs> they were just gracious. Yeah. 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 I love and- it. Yeah, and they were like, "Yeah, the be- well, I mean, I mean, look at it. The beatitudes make sense, right? Like, if you never, <laughs> dude, that is gold. Yeah, yeah. Nobody corrected me, but they, they were just, they were just really great people, they were really nice people, and um, they, oh, uh, man. man. And here's another thing: I was on fire, and this was like, this was really bold and audacious. But I was like, I feel like we this church needs to do something outside the walls of this church this was the main street church uh saint paul united methodist up here in christiansburg which is right beside blacksburg but i was like we got to do something out in the community you know what i mean because that church was already starting to struggle a little bit you know it it had its glory days a a decade or two before and you know when the pews were full and stuff and uh i mean they were great people but it were you know it wasn't as many people as any of us would have liked to have been there and um i came up with this idea We, we we found a coffee shop that was right there on the main street and a couple of blocks down and we we started a coffee shop ministry and uh wow. I, I, yeah I, I went on a mission trip with that group and we ran into these folks up in kentucky who had did a hebrews coffee 
and you know, and uh, Hebrews, not, Hebrews, yeah, but boom, boom, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was cool. And I was like, hey, we ought to do something like that, and and yeah. back home, and and they went with it, you know, and the people in the town went with what it. What an and, incredible church, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. a community of faith that from championing you and not correcting you with mm-hmm. the beatitudes. Yeah. Willing to step out in faith and maybe take a risk on a coffee shop ministry. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I, uh, um, gosh, I just thank God for that. Because it could have went a totally different direction if I hadn't been nurtured by those people. I could have been, man, mm-hmm. you know, that the whole calling the ministry that was just indigestion or something you know like that ain't so are you still in relationship with those folks with with these different people uh you still got relationships i I am and you know it just occurred to me i'm at a place now where i'm looking forward to an opportunity to go in and like preaching at that church i haven't done that yet and because uh, yes. uh, that and I, I I really would would like that opportunity, but I am still connected with some of those folks and Good. and stuff, and I've been able to visit over the years and and all that. But uh, I I would I would really love that and to share about what I'm up to now and to also share this testimony of how important they were to me at that yes. uh, that 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 particular time in my life and in my ministry and my faith walk and. Uh, yeah, and and stuff. So, and they they were yes. so good and cool. And then eventually, not long after that, I uh, I got into the seminary and began going to seminary. I ended up down in Atlanta at uh, the Candler School yes. of Theology at Emory there, yes. and uh, yeah. a great Methodist school. You getting into my stomping grounds there, now, Charles? Yes, sir. Yes, you make sir. It to Atlanta, you getting? You, I got I got people down there. Yes, sir. I know. I know. And, uh, but I, I love my time yeah. down there. Uh, it, it, it was awesome. And I began to learn down there that, uh, you know, here I was this formed totally in a, a Methodist sort of way, attending a Methodist mm-hmm. seminary. And, but not long after I got down there, one thing I, I was like, man, this United Methodist path, this theology is the theology that I would have chosen. You know, I felt mm. like it was a, a divine guidance thing. And I just happened to run into that one Methodist pastor who baptized me. And I just happened to be mm-hmm. n- nurtured by these the United Methodists back home in Virginia. But as, as I began to actually learn about the theology, I was like, man, there's something sure. about this United Methodist thing, this both end nature of, uh, you know, the, the the growing and going and the you know it's about an internal uh, thing and how God is at work in your life and then also how are you how are you sharing that love out in the world sure. and uh, that John yeah. Wesley was so committed to and uh, th- that is exactly the theology I would have chosen for myself but uh, it, it it just makes sense and mm-hmm. I think there's a whole lot of potential for us as United Methodists today to to share that that sort of faith and uh sure and uh so you but, talked just a moment ago about wanting to go back into some of these places that shaped and formed and molded you mm-hmm. and to share with them about what your current ministry is i want to spend some time talking about your current ministry context how you landed where you are and mm-hmm. more specifically like i don't want to be robbed of time 
to get yeah. into some of the storytelling and the testimony of the community that you've been a part of shaping and forming and molding. I mean, are there other parts and pieces before we hop to word on the street or is that? Nothing other than uh, my time at, at Emory was great. Uh, I, yeah. I went there way before I should have. Uh, but yeah. you know what I mean? And, uh, oh, one I of the do. professors, yeah. yeah, one of the professors, he said, you know, at least you don't have a lot of junk piled on to your, you know, when you're reading <laughs> the scriptures, you're, 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 you don't, you hadn't had other people tell you what you should believe. And while that is yes. challenging, it's, it was also, uh, I think an asset in some ways and a gift. Yes. And then, uh, I met some, a great group of, uh, a great church there in the suburb of Atlanta. I interned at, uh, Oak Grove United Methodist down there. And I love those folks. And they were very, they helped to, to bring me along and nurture me in the faith. And then uh, I ended up in North Carolina because they told us day one at Emory to, you know, if you're United Methodist, don't plan to stay here because we don't have enough, uh, openings in, ordinating ministry here and for sure. people who grew up in our conference, which I thought was really fair. And so they said, you know, start and so start looking elsewhere. And I thought about going back to Virginia conference, but uh, my pastors had been reappointed to the other side. I didn't have that great, that big, uh, I had a great connection with that church, but nothing that really connected me to that conference. So I felt like the Charlotte area and Western North Carolina conference was a great halfway between Atlanta and back home. And, uh, Did so you met, have people there, or were you I, starting from scratch? Starting from scratch. I had a, a couple friends who had moved to Charlotte and stuff, but not really. And uh, I delivered pizzas throughout my time in um, in Atlanta to get through school. And uh, I wow. remember I, I was like, I just was like, hey. That's I, why you're my guy, Charles. I knew for a fact that I liked you. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that. I mean, do what you got to do, like make it work, grind it out. Amen. Amen. And then what a gift. That was one of those things. I remember I was like, all right, all I was told by the Western North Carolina conference was to just show up here, get active in a church and start through our ordination process. I ended up, so I just called Papa John's cause I was working for Papa John's in the Charlotte area. And I said, Hey, do you yeah. need any help? And this one lady, like the second one I called, said, I need driver's bad. When can you get here? I said, I'll be there Wednesday. She said, can you start Thursday? So I did, you know what I mean? So I had a job. Yes. And, uh, and so it just came up with a few bucks and found an apartment and, and got plugged into the Methodist church. And eventually I made it through this ordination process. It is so hard for us in the United Methodist oh, yeah. church, but but yeah, I learned yeah. a lot there. Board of Ordain ministry is no joke. No joke. No joke. And uh, but eventually, yeah. I got it. You know, I got through that and uh, ended up, uh, you know, appointed to a traditional church or uh, an inherited church, a, a smaller, as is usually the case, uh, church for four years. But sure. then a year and a half ago, the folks in the conference, as hard as it was for me to work my way through this ordination process, they really, they really. Gosh, they blessed me with a, a great gift a year and a half ago to be a part of a new church start. And uh, it was an intentional new church start to try to do some things like I've been doing before I even knew what fresh expressions were. And uh, it was intentional about being a, a group of fresh expressions. Okay. Year, yeah, and that was, uh, yeah, July of 2022. And we soon came up with the name for this. We called it Word on the Street. And uh, because we weren't 
intending to be focused on any sort of building and focus on any, you know, we were literally going to go out to the street and we were, we, we decided that what we were going to do is, and it was less of like taking the word to the streets of, of Charlotte. And I remember I told my wife that name word on the street. And she said, are you going to be doing street preaching? And I was like, well, I'm not above it. She knows. And, uh, but she said, well, if so just don't do it in front of my building. Cause she works in, in uptown. Charlotte. <laughs> don't do it in front of her. <laughs> she's a banker. Yeah, she's, she's a banker. Said, and she's like, she didn't want crazy, <laughs> her crazy husband, street preacher. Oh, right? that's gold. <laughs> she's sitting up in that fancy big old sky yeah, rise yeah. and be like, her coworkers would be like, who's this crazy dude? <laughs> Actually, that's my husband. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So oh, I, was like, I no, love no. it. I was like, no, what we are going to do oh, is gosh, we believe. so good. <laughs> yeah. We, so here's the thing, though, thinking about that. John's gospel, we learned that the unmitigated word of God is less of a book yeah. and more of a person. And the yeah, person yeah, is, yeah, of course, yeah. Jesus. God made flesh. Sure. That is the word made yeah. flesh. And I believe that Jesus was already out there on the streets in, in our community, sure. out there on the streets yeah. in Charlotte. So I believe, and we came up with this thing, it's our job to listen for what the word is already speaking and then join the word in, in, in what he's already doing. And it's, and if it's Jesus, Jesus is loving. You see the two L's that make up the W in our logo. And, and so we're, we're committed to listening for what the word of God, who is Jesus, is speaking and doing on the streets of our community. And that's what we do in, uh, through word on the street. So has it been your experience, our experience, and a lot of people back again to who will listen to this? Mm-hmm. Our neighbors that we loved under bridges and in the bluff and in some of these forgotten places, mm-hmm. they knew the text better than most of the people in our pews. Amen, amen. Have you encountered that or not? I mean, that... Um, that first year, dude, we went thinking that we were taking Christ and, and the good news into places, mm-hmm. and it didn't take but one day, and mm-hmm. when we would make it back to St. Philip and our group would debrief, this is a college and career age ministry, mm-hmm. what we realized is because of their full dependency on God's provision and protection, mm-hmm. That, that the people that we were supposedly ministering to, they knew the word better. They were prayed up well beyond where we were. Mm-hmm. And it was because it was because they were fully reliant. I mean, fully reliant yeah. upon the Lord to protect and provide and to lead and even in the brokenness, even in the substance abuse, even in the mental, um, uh, uh, help me, uh, mental health uh, yeah. issues. I mean, I can remember sitting down with people who smelled like a sewer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And them looking me in the face and sharing enormous sections of scripture with me. Amen. Yeah. Man, uh, that, asking that's me how they could pray for me, asking me I mean, 
and and then I would see him two days later later in a different area of the city working through a different ministry and they would approach me and say hey Ben I've been praying about blah 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 Mm -hmm. have you felt a shift have you experienced a move and I'm like humbled to my core Mm mm-hmm like if you has that been your experience in the marginalized and the forgotten? Like are are you encountering people who know the word sometimes better than you? It, absolutely. Uh, when we got out there, uh, we, we were we were primarily working with folks who were experiencing homelessness, mm-hmm. and we were out on the street and we found that there was this place we we'd actually found before i'd gotten into this full time but but there was this place and we we started a meal and we did worship a, it's a, a fresh expression a, a, a dinner church we're now calling those open table meals mm-hmm. in the united methodist church but we started doing that and what we do is uh instead of a, a traditional sermon where somebody like me gets up there and and says here's the bible passage and talks about what i believe folks should 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 think Mm-hmm. We we just de- we decided to it should be more like a sermonic conversation where we're gonna so mostly what I do now is we walk through the here's the passage. I love that dude. What's God yeah. speaking to you? And when you get out there, you so realize, a, like, so a dialogue then. Yeah, absolutely. Not and a monologue. Not a monologue. A dialogue. And I tell I you, like it. folks out there, these are some of the 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 deepest biblical scholars and theologians that I've found that I get to spend time with and, um, and, and, and people just of deep faith. And I, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I think it might have something to do with um, how so many of our friends out there who, who, who find themselves and, you know, on the margins of maybe they don't have so many of the things that most of the rest of us have that distracts them from their faith in Christ. And, uh, and, and I'm beginning to believe that that's part of what Jesus meant when he said, blessed are the poor for the kingdom of heaven is, is theirs. And, and that that might be part of what he meant when in Matthew 25, when he aligned himself with the poor, he said, you know, when you've done unto them, you've done unto me, these are, these are my people. Mm -hmm. These, these, these are the people who know me. And so, I, I, yeah, the folks, and and so I've learned through my friends out there, my brothers and sisters, through these theologians mm-hmm. and biblical scholars that I get to spend time with all the time nowadays, and I feel so blessed about so much about the faith, so much about the scriptures. Uh, I've learned about mm-hmm. uh, just uh, the humility that so many of these folks have. That's so, that's what, yeah. Yeah, and and just uh, and that's part of what it, I believe it to be means to be an authentic disciple of Jesus is humility. I heard somebody mm-hmm. once say, you know, you can learn about who's a true follower of Jesus through through the uh, the humility that that person mm-hmm. um, uh, puts out there. So, yeah, and dependency, that dependency. Yeah. There's a thread there. There's this commonality when a person's pride is washed out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When pride is removed, yeah, and there is a a core like I'm not talking about lip service, but like that deep abiding brokenness 
and 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 you get to this place of humility and complete dependence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what we experience with our friends who are experiencing homelessness and on the margins. Yeah. And I've spent, excuse me, I've spent an enormous part of the years since those first few encounters mm-hmm. trying to communicate to my traditional friends, you don't have to go through that type of brokenness mm-hmm. to arrive at humility and dependence. You, you can become humble and fully dependent without crisis or without addiction or without mental health issues, without having to be marginalized. Mm-hmm. And that is a passion is like, so how do we take what we know and have encountered on the streets and in the margins, how do we take that truth, communicate it, and make it applicable to those within, um, within you know what most folks would call church within the four walls of the church, right? Yeah. Um, how do you get people who do not have a perceived need? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know. Uh an important part, really the most important part, other than my giving my life to Jesus, part of my story is uh, before I started this work, right before uh, I, I found a wife at a Fresh Expressions training. My wife, Karen. And, I found uh, a wife. Yeah, yeah. thank God. Thank the speed of God. And uh, what a blessing. I love and, it. Uh, we were at a Fresh yeah. Expressions training and our friend Luke was uh, leading the thing. And uh, she Luke was Edwards? a lay leader. Yeah, Luke was there. When I met my wife, he was leading this thing about six years ago, and there was a, she was a lay leader at her church, and you know I was a pastor, and it's fresh. We we're just learning about fresh expressions for the first time at dinner. But I met her, and uh, wow, just has a great speaking of humility and Christ-like humility. This is why part of why I love Karen so much, and she just Amen. displayed that from the get-go. And she she does work for a bank, and and it's just successful in worldly standards, but just even more successful in the ways of the kingdom because of that humility and uh, a big passion and ministry of hers since, since uh, before I knew her was uh, she, she led a team uh, to uh, folks to through a group called mission Guatemala. And every year she would lead a team down to Guatemala. And uh, one of the crazy things about that sort of ministry we've come to learn is how folks, uh, I've heard people say things and Karen would set them straight and, and, you know, hopefully I'm courageous enough to set them straight. Like, well, we're going to take Jesus to Guatemala. <laughs> I'm like, what? You're taking Jesus to Guatemala. You As know, if he's say, not already As there. If he's yeah, not yeah, already yeah. there. And, you know, speaking of, and yeah. we do the same thing with our domestic mission trips, right? Yes. We're taking Jesus yes. to these homeless yes. folks down there on the street. And, uh, you no, know, like we're going down and we're, lucky to be in their presence and to learn from them about Jesus. And that's what yeah, my man. whole doctoral work is focused on is transforming the way that church missions has been done in the past for, mm-hmm. for most of recent church missions history. It's, it's been, you know, especially here in America, it's been a, that idea of like, we're going to go take Jesus to these poor folks. The, whether they're in Guatemala or whether they're in a homeless shelter or somewhere in mm-hmm. in Charlotte, like we're going to take Jesus to these people. We're going to make them, we're going to go and fix them. 
we're going to go and because clearly, you know, we're more blessed than them and closer. They need to Jesus. fixing. They yeah. need fixing, yeah. you know, and because clearly we're yeah. more, you know, God, we're closer to God because, you know, they're yeah. and I'm like, wow, that's not only been been ineffective, but it's it's harmful. You know, speaking of yes, our Wesleyan wrong. heritage, do, yeah. do no harm. Yeah. Like that is harmful. Yeah. And and uh, and what I'm we are learning through word on the street and you've been able to learn through this, too, is, you know, it is more about going down. And I think a better approach for us as the church, not only the United Methodist Church and not only word on the street, but the church mm-hmm. is to 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 focus more on the discipleship of those who are going and fortunate enough to to do the serving, how are we, if we go and share a meal with people who are food insecure, how are we being blessed? How are we being drawn, you know, that sanctifying grace we speak so much about and learn, you know, through our Wesleyan tradition and how are we being drawn closer to God and neighbor through this work and, and stuff. And I, I just think that a lot of us have, uh, have come to learn that you have through your work, but here in this with this program, what I'm hoping to do, and as it was put to me, and and one of the things that that made me say yes to being a part of this program, I swore I'd never go back to school. I'm mm-hmm. old, too old for this stuff. But one Same, of the things, dude. yeah, yeah, and, uh, and, uh, it's like wow. I, uh, and, and, but we were at, you know, I was asked by uh, Michael Beck and some folks in our conference who are to to be a part of this. But the way it was put to me is like that. That's not. An entirely new idea. I think a lot of people have already come to learn that, as you you shared through your work. But what I have, and we have through this opportunity for this program, is to to prove that how it's better to let, focus less on the evangelizing of those who are being served, and instead focus on the discipleship of those who are doing the serving. That is a better approach. Mm-hmm. We can even research that and and prove that how how these folks do know the Bible. You know, and 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 how how uh, these we're other folks are just blessed, and you know how are we being drawn closer to God? That idea of of, of serving our neighbor and loving our neighbor as being a means of grace in, in our Wesleyan tradition, a, a work of mercy. How how does that work? Is that actually working within folks who are who are able to go out and serve in in Christ's name? And how are they being drawn? And and through interviews and such, I think we. We can prove that, and, and the point of proving that is to then share it and, and share it as best we can. And, and thank you for this opportunity to be able to, to, to just oh, yeah, share man. and to, 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 to one of those things that we're increasingly learning through word on the street and what I'm fortunate enough mm-hmm. to be able to be studying and reflecting upon and stuff right now. So, yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful the way that God works all things together. So, just kind of wrapping up for folks, because we got people in, in the Carolinas from, you know, Western, as far as Hayesville, all the way to the coast. Um, Amen. If there are people who hear this, who want to come and serve with you, what's the easiest way for them to find you? Um, well, you could, uh, you know, just send me an email and, okay. or, uh, we, we are active. It's we're on Facebook and, uh, the, uh, most of the social media platforms. We're just okay. now at that place. We're really getting more intentional about that and, and put okay. some content out there to, to okay. share in, in an mm-hmm. even greater way about what God's mm-hmm. doing. Um, but, uh, you can find us at word on the street dash NC word on the street dash NC on okay. Facebook. And, uh, we are, uh, 
where we're at right now, we have two dinner churches or open tables, one on uh, Wednesday afternoon and one on Wednesday evening, and then uh, two on Thursdays, one on wow. Thursday afternoon and then another on Thursday evening. And folks are, uh, are welcome to be a part of those. You'll be able to learn more about those through our Facebook page. You can always send me a message or contact me through email. And uh, what's your email? Uh, just uh, Charles Darico at gmail.com. Charles, C H A R L E S D I R I C O at gmail.com. And uh, okay. we'd love to have you. And oh, and here's another thing I just wanted to close with. Uh, sure. I'm, I'm asked by the higher ups and our super, my supervisors and, and folks who are, are helping us to do this right now um, mm-hmm. are, you, who, are you making new disciples of Jesus? Who's being led to Jesus through this? And um, as you, as this whole thing, as we've been talking about, and as you alluded to, you know, by and large, as a demographic, our friends on the margins, and particularly our friends who are experiencing home, they know Jesus, and even in a deeper oh, yeah. sort of way than we do. So, so then, who are you? You know, if this is, uh, it, so who are you? And one thing I found is people who I can't twist their arm hard enough to get to come and sing songs with us or to say prayers with us at 11 o'clock Sunday morning. And, and, and I'm supported by a church, Assurance United Methodist Church, that we're anchored to that helps. And they got great preaching and great music. And that church is doing well. They, they help support Word on the Street. And they, they, great preaching, music. It's awesome. But there are so many people who are just never going to show up, no matter how hard it is. I, I try to invite them, like, hey, this is great. You're going to, you know, and, but, these same people, oftentimes young people, if I say, hey, we're going to go and share a meal with some hungry people, would you join me? They'll show up for that. And and it's become the entry point into the life of the church is through this service. So not only are we focusing on making disciples of Jesus through service, but we're we're, we're, we're able to we're focusing on uh, as much as that, like making new disciples of Jesus and mm-hmm. connecting with unchurched people this sort of thing mm-hmm. and 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 the, the these missional things and i see a whole lot of opportunity because as we we mentioned earlier like young people nowadays they, they might not attend church as regularly as as we would like but but they care yeah. they care they'll get about behind the calls yeah. yeah yeah so uh yeah. but yeah folks couldn't so i, I see the potential this could and you know yeah just be a great new pathway into the life of the church for folk and then we were already we've experienced that um, already we, we did a funeral at, at, um, after one of our dinner churches and, um, it was for a man who, who wasn't connected with the church prior to this. He had actually given up on church years before he felt really church hurt and, um, mm-hmm. and was done. You know, he was one of the, the, the duns with church and, but he came out and was serving with us and I was proud to, to share at his funeral or after, after one of our meals right there at our, our dinner church and stuff. And, uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to be able to, to celebrate his life and proclaiming the word and to worship God there in that service. So, yeah. Amen, man. Amen. So if folks want to connect with you, more information, email Charles Dorico at Gmail, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook page, word on the street dash NC for North Carolina. Yes, sir. Um, and then, um, if folks want to support financially, just contact you, and you have you have means and ways that they can contribute. 
Yes, yes. And we're, we're actually okay. sitting, establishing that right now because uh, part okay. of this, for this to be sustainable, we had so many people helping us. But yeah, reach out and we're just setting Sweet. up uh, some QR codes and stuff that we'll be okay. sharing on uh, social media and, and stuff. So we'd love, uh, yeah, any way that you can help and just support us in your prayers. Support yeah, us man. in your prayers. Yeah. All right. Well, um, at some point I'll have you back on. I think it would Amen. be really cool to have like you and Travis and Luke all together, all four of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at some point maybe we meet, might need to make that happen, but Charles, I, I, um, there's never a time that I interact with you, whether in person or now virtually that you don't inspire me. I walk away from being around you wanting to do better. And, uh, you're amazing, dude. I mean, that. Uh, and uh, I just want to encourage you, stay the course, you know, keep pressing. Uh, thank thank you, you for your heart, your authenticity. Um, I mean that. Thank you for your humility and for being you, dude. Um, I look forward to continue to growing with you. Amen. know you better as yeah. the next couple of years unfold. And mm-hmm. I get to see you next week. I'll be in Charlotte. Absolutely. I get to come, I get to, come to the dinner church. Amen, and, yeah and experience in person word on the street. I'm stoked about yeah. that. That's and, uh, so thank you, man. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your heart. And, uh, I really do appreciate you. Thank you. Same here, man. Thank you for having me on this, uh, this podcast. And it's exciting to be able to do this and just, uh, thank you for just being in my life, man. You're inspiring me and I'm learning from you and, and it's just great. And, uh, I look forward for us to continue to be, brothers in Christ and brothers in service uh, 